0: is two stories of faith and miracles, one wrapped neatly within the other. One is a cure of a poor woman. The other is the raising from the dead of a young daughter. The message of this scripture is that faith, no matter how frail, small, or not fully understood, yet it is necessary for us to come to Christ and to humbly petition him to help us in our time of trouble. Faith small as a mustard seed will grow into the mightiest of shrubs. Jesus is waiting patiently for us to come to him and will comfort and save us. Just before this passage, we learn that Jesus has called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. Jesus, the disciples, the sinners and the publicans are all celebrating in Matthew's house. This disturbs the Pharisees, who demand to know why he eats with these unsavory characters. And Jesus answers them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He has really had about enough of these Pharisees and these debates. And he says, But go ye and learn what that means. Jesus, the great rabbi-physician, will soon display his grace and his power. Now comes to him a certain ruler named Jairus, who bows down and worships Christ and calls on him. His daughter, who is only 12 years old, is near death. If Christ will just lay his hands on her, she shall live. We note... In Matthew, where we read today, it appears that the daughter has already died. It says, my daughter is even now dead. But in Mark and Luke, which include the same stories and miracles and provide more details, she is still alive. My little daughter lieth at the point of death. The apparent discrepancy can be explained by the Greek word (coughs) rendered, is even now dead, doesn't necessarily mean she's actually dead, but only that she is dying or about to die. So Jairus is coming to Jesus, praying that he will save his daughter. Jairus is asking for this cure, which he knew Jesus had done for others. At this point, Jesus had not raised anyone from the dead. Raising the dead was an act that would be seen as a sign of the Messiah. The people knew that the prophets Elijah and Elisha had prayed to God to raise a dead person, but no one had ever raised the dead with his own power. So the ruler had faith, but his faith was not to be compared to the centurion, we recall, who believed that Jesus could heal from afar. The centurion, recognizing the divinity of Christ, knows that if he but speaks the word, If Jesus but speaks the word, his servant will be cured at the same hour. The ruler's weaker faith insisted that Jesus enter into his house and physically lay on his hands. And yet the ruler's faith was true. He came to Jesus and fell down and worshipped him. Trouble caused him to come to Jesus, but he came. Today, how many of us remain in our moral or physical Dilemmas rather than come to Jesus for salvation. Do we think He doesn't know about our troubles and our sins before we even speak them? This God is omniscient, you know. He knows everything. When we are so afraid to confess our sins or troubles to God, we should keep this in mind. We aren't going to surprise or shock God. No, He's quietly waiting for us to knock. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Jesus respected Jairus' sincerity. He could have cured the young girl at a distance, but the ruler probably didn't have enough faith for this. Jesus recognizes Jairus' weakness, and he agrees to leave the feast immediately. So also... Jesus honors our sincerity as penitent sinners when we come to him. Note that grace is through faith. Quote, according to your faith, so be it unto you, Jesus says in Matthew 9. Had the ruler had greater faith, his daughter may not have died. Jesus assists us when we come to him according to our faith and our faith will grow like the mustard seed as we grow closer to him. Yet Jesus has hardly left to go to Jairus' house when a strange event occurs. A poor woman, stricken with a flow of blood for many years, sees him passing by. She has been to many physicians, but has come away poorer in health and in wealth. This has lasted 12 long years. It's interesting that the woman has suffered for 12 years and that Jairus' daughter is but 12 years old. The woman is at her wit's end. She has heard about this miracle maker, Jesus, and she says to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I can be whole. And she reaches out her shaking hand, touches the hem of his robe, and she is whole. Now, Mark says, Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press of people and said, Who touched my clothes? Let's note some interesting things about this. Her real but imperfect faith. She had utmost confidence in Christ's power and a very sincere yearning for healing. But it was a somewhat ignorant faith. She thinks that her touching of his robe will heal without Christ's knowledge or his will. She thinks that she will slink away into the crowd and Christ will be none the wiser or poorer for the stolen blessing. What superstition! She was confident that one fingertip on his robe was enough. She had received her desire and her healer recognized her faith as true, though there was much ignorance of him or what he was about. But before we blame her, let us stop for a moment and think about our own situation today. To attach too much importance to the external signs of grace, rites, ordinances, sacraments, relics, is the very same misconception. It's not the external sign, but the internal grace of Jesus Christ that we should seek. Jesus confounded the Jewish religious leaders with the same admonition to seek the spirit of the law and not the letter. We must not let this type of behavior corrupt the simplicity and the spirituality of our Christian worship. Was this woman's faith selfish? She wanted health, and she didn't care much at that point about the healer. She would have been quite content if she could have stolen away in the crowd. She would have had little gratitude to the unconscious giver of the stolen good. So many a Christian life is in in its earliest stages is more absorbed with its own deep misery and its desire for deliverance than with Jesus. Love comes after, born of the experience of his love. But faith precedes love, And the predominant motive impelling one to faith at first is distinctly self-regard. Christ answers her imperfect faith, though, and by answering corrects and confirms it. She wanted to slip away. Her condition perhaps embarrassed her. She was afraid to address Jesus directly. Jesus forces her to stand out before the crowd and there with all eyes upon her to conquer her shame and to tell the truth. Perhaps a strange kindness that seems to contrast with his ordinary desire to avoid notoriety, but with his usual tender consideration for shrinking weakness. But he did it for her sake, not his own. She is changed from timid to courageous. At one moment, she stretches out her wasted finger, a trembling invalid, At the next, she flings herself at his feet, confessing all. Christ's words to her are full of tenderness, daughter, a term of love and endearment. Be of good comfort. Thy faith, not thy finger, hath made thee whole. Not the robe's hem, but Christ's love is the cause of her salvation. In case anyone is wondering about Jesus, Asking who had touched him, <clears throat> the disciples in Mark respond, Thou seest this multitude thronging about, and you say, who touched me? They were saying, are you kidding me? Lots of people have touched you. <clears throat> but no two things. It was the woman's faith that led to the miracle by Jesus. He sensed her faith in that touch. Does anyone here think that Jesus did not know who touched him? No. He wanted the woman's faith to grow and for the crowd to know what had happened through faith. In this story, there's another sermon. The poor woman was ceremonially unclean to the Jews, and whoever touched her was unclean also. This may be partly why she was afraid to approach Jesus. Also, Jairus' daughter was unclean because she was dead when he arrived. Here the doctrine of salvation is set forth. Jesus takes on our sins, our uncleanliness, and suffers for our sakes and for our redemption. The Levitical priesthood leave the dead in their uncleanliness. The unclean are not forbidden to come to Jesus if they but believe. At this time... Messengers arrive and tell Jairus the bad news that his daughter has in fact died, and say, why troublest thou the master any further? How Jairus must have begrudged the interruption of the woman. But Jesus, not heeding the words spoken, says to the ruler, fear not, only believe and she shall be made whole. How Jairus' faith must have been strengthened by seeing the mighty power of Jesus to heal the woman and his comforting words to him. Now they come to the house of Jairus and are met by the shrieking and lamenting of professional mourners. This custom continues to this day in the Middle East. This is in sharp contrast to the quiet, calm, and majesty of our Lord. He rebukes the professional mourners and he says why make thee this ado and why weep the da- <clears throat> the damsel is not dead but sleeps and the mourners laugh him to scorn yet jesus orders them to give place to get out and he brings only the grieving parents and peter james and john note that the scornful laughter of the mourners showed how well they understood that the girl was truly dead. It cannot be supposed that our Lord means literally to say that the child was not dead. It is likely that Jairus and the people favored the opinions of the Sadducees, a group that understood by being dead that she had ceased to exist and that she would never be raised up again. In opposition to this, Jesus used the expression, She sleeps, Affirming that the body was dead, but implying that her spirit still lived and that she would be raised again. Similarly, in John 11, Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. He was to raise Lazarus also from the dead. Jesus knew he would soon awaken the girl. So we Christians know that at our physical death, our bodies and our souls are separated to be reunited on the day of judgment, when we, we shall be judged by Christ. It is but a sleep, not eternal death. The power and majesty of God was about to be revealed to the faithful and the unfaithful. The professional mourners had no faith. He turned them out of the room. He would not have unbelievers honored as witnesses of his glorious work. Pearls should not be cast before swine. In the resurrection at the last day, the wicked will be treated with disgrace. The skeptical scorners will then awake out of the dust to shame and everlasting contempt. The prophet Daniel writes in chapter 12, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. The witnesses chosen were the parents and the three favored disciples, Peter, James, and John. These three were they that afterwards were chosen to be the sole witnesses to the transfiguration of our Lord and his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Everyone knew the maiden was dead. It would, in fact, be widely known that a miracle such as had not been seen since the prophets had occurred. And remember, the prophets Elijah and Elisha had prayed that God would awaken the dead. Here our Lord, by his own power and command, has willed it. At last comes the great deed. Peter was present, and Mark recorded, He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say to thee, arise. And straightway her spirit came again. And the damsel arose and walked. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Note that the cause of the miracle was the word of God, Jesus, who simply willed it. Jesus varied his applications his application of his miracles as the circumstances of the recipients required, according to the strength of their faith and their understanding of him. Mark, who learned from the apostle Peter, uses the Aramaic language here, Talathakumi damsel arise these words must have echoed in Saint. Peter's head from that day forward. The miracles of raising the dead are four in number. Jairus' daughter is raised from her bed, the widow's son at Nain from his bier, having been for a little longer separated from his body, Lazarus from the grave, having been dead four days, and Jesus' resurrection. A few minutes or days or 4,000 years are one, to his power. As said by Archbishop Richard Trench about these miracles, an ascending scale of difficulty which has one stage more, the final summoning of the dead by the same voice of quickening. Let us take away from today's gospel three thoughts to ponder. Faith is... In Jesus is necessary for us to come to him for help and comfort, faith. Jesus is waiting patiently for us to come to him, to but knock, and he will comfort and save us. And in the end of times, Jesus will shout, and we will all be summoned from the grave for our just reward. Let us prepare ourselves for the day of the Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.